Welcome to the Springs in the Desert podcast. We're so happy that you're here with us. We're those friends that you can take with you wherever you are on the path of infertility. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Springs in the Desert podcast. We are so glad you're here. Um, It's an honor to be walking with you. My name is Cassandra. I'm going to be your host for today's episode. And with me today, uh, we have Natalie, who has been on the podcast before. Natalie, how are you? Doing well. Thank you so much for having me again. Yes, thanks for being here. And we also have uh, one of our contributors, Kim Colby. Kim, how's it going? Good. I'm so happy I can finally join you all. Yes. Kim is fresh off the uh, Archdiocese of the Military's own podcast, so we're definitely happy to have you here today to talk about this. So Kim and Natalie both are from military families. Natalie's father served and her husband serves, and Kim served herself and her husband served. So I'd just like to ask you both to just take a minute to introduce yourselves and just tell us a little bit more about what your experience with the military has been like, especially in the context of infertility. So Kim, why don't you introduce yourself? Sure. So my my husband, Mark, and I met uh, at the Naval Academy, and we both served on active duty for a little over seven years. Um, I was in the Marine Corps and still am, still am in the reserves, and my husband uh, was in the Navy. And Really, to sum up our experience in the military, I mean, yes, it is challenging <laughs> in, in many ways. Uh, long distance uh, for quite some time, uh, separation because of deployments, and then, of course, having to overcome major life, uh, I would say, happenings like my grandmother's death. Mark was on deployment, and I wasn't even, even able to communicate with him. And then in the context of infertility, it was a, a very difficult road to, uh, to walk, but I, I suppose in, in retrospect, um, I'm grateful for that experience. It gave me opportunities to share the faith. Uh, for example, talking to my uh, medical professionals when I would go to them for infertility treatment, and they would immediately uh, provide the course to like do IVF. And I would then be able to say, well, actually, this isn't an option for me. And, and of course, typically the immediate response is why. So, yeah, I look forward to kind of maybe digging more deeply into like personal stories, um, both the good and the bad. But I am grateful for the opportunity to serve. Yes, thank you so much. How about you, Natalie? Hey, so my family and I live in Illinois, Scott Air Force Base in the middle of cornfields, literally, and um, originally from Florida, from the beach. And so we have been going through secondary infertility. And so we actually got pregnant very quickly with our first. We never thought we would ever be going through infertility because of it. And it wasn't until, um, you know, four years into our marriage or three that we started saying like, okay, why aren't we getting pregnant with our second? And so, so, and, and it's something we're actually still going through finally having answers, but still navigating that we actually navigated a big portion of it once we moved, um, to Illinois. So I definitely understand the challenges that can come from, 
uh, you know, trying to find answers in the military. There's just a lot of logistics and, and things that go with that. So I'm excited to dig into that a little more soon. But yes, we have a daughter, Gianna. She is six, and we are very hopeful um, for a, a future baby, if that's what God has planned for us. Thank you both so much for sharing. Yeah, just a lot of threads coming out already that were part of the reason we wanted to do this podcast. Questions of being separated from your spouse for a long time and how frustrating that must must be when every month counts and it's so important and there's a lot of pressure, but sometimes it's impossible because of deployments or their schedule concerns and kind of a lot of surrender, you know, asked of our military families in regards to their vocation and um, not vocation, location, but vocation too, I guess. <laughs> and a lot of us are familiar with those challenges of healthcare access um, and how frustrating it must be when you finally are kind of in the groove with a, a doctor and then you have to move and start trying to figure that out all over again. And also um, something I was thinking about a lot in preparation for this podcast is there the culture of military family life just from the outside because I no one in my family has served, but it just seems like the, the culture of family life in the military is like a bit more um, traditional, like more people marrying like a little younger and then just starting to have children. And I don't know, some similarities, I guess, with kind of the broad brush strokes that we kind of view of Catholic family culture. So what do you ladies have to say about that? Just from an outsider, is that a correct assessment or what do you think? You know, it's actually for me, um, I can share from the perspective of a military spouse and from the perspective as one who served. Um, so as a military spouse, yes, I saw it firsthand with um, Mark was a submariner and the submarine wives it seemed like whenever the boat came back from deployment and we were standing pier side waiting for the sub to pull in, there were either new babies in these mother's arms or little tykes running around or big bellies about to pop. And then from the perspective as one who did serve, which was even, I, I, that was very painful at times, but it was even more frustrating and more painful because Anytime we had mentors, particularly women or what they call dual military couples, so both of those in the relationship serve, uh, it was always the message, at least in my understanding, like the messaging was, okay, women, you need to kind of plan your pregnancy around your career. So when you go to this type of job, you need to have your baby. And in my case, I was never like on a ship or on a submarine, but I have friends who were told, hey, when you're on your what's called shore tour, so you're not assigned to a ship, uh, that's when you should have your baby. So, yeah, I, I kind of provide and, and I would say that that's definitely leans more towards like corporate America and really just these unfair and unjust, you know, in, in positions that we have on uh, women in the workforce today. Yes. So what I've experienced, something a little similar as a military spouse of what Kim said, it was so good about, you know, you feel like I've, I have felt 
that everyone around me is either pregnant or just had a baby, um, especially so my husband is usually in the flight uh, pilot kind of thing. And you would think that those, uh, because with the, you know, just with fertility, you know, and how they say, you know, men don't be in a warm environment, all of that. So you would think it would have like an effect, but um no, I mean, there is just like you see it all the time in the flight world where, you know, women and moms are usually complaining that they're having so many kids. And so I, I definitely, it's, it's been very hard in that sense to see so many families that um, are just, you know, having no issues getting pregnant or the husband comes back from deployment and they get pregnant like right then. So I just, honestly, I have found a lot more friendships. Um, I've I've been able to seek friendships outside of the military. Obviously, you're so happy. You're so excited for them. It's such a blessing. But you definitely need that support of people who who definitely understand. But that's been my experience. Yeah, it's just so interesting, kind of this idea we have in our our culture that we can get pregnant when we want and is what is most convenient for us and for our careers and our life and plan your pregnancies or whatever. Um, and especially in the military when there's just so much that is bigger than, than you going on and that you're a, a piece of this. And so that it's kind of this pressure that's put on you to make your life kind of fit into that, to that whole and that kind of schedule that is kind of so, so far out of your control, but also this idea that like in the community, there are these other pressures. But Kim, have you found infertility support inside of the military? Or has that been something that has been missing for you? You know what? Um, That's a great question. And I would say it did not come out in like obvious ways, like an infertility support group. And, And as to protect, I suppose, the confidentiality of others that I have served, but just by getting to know fellow service members. And, and again, it's, it's very dependent on your relationship, your professional relationship. And oftentimes I had these conversations after hours when really it was just kind of talking about life and it was so edifying to be able to relate and, and accompany. Um, it was actually like two men whose wives were going through infertility and, yeah, that that to me was I, I looking back, I'm able to see it so much more clearly like that. Yes, I was accompanying them and supporting them, but they in turn, just by being vulnerable and by sharing like they themselves are also going through it it helped me realize that I wasn't alone in this journey. That's so beautiful. I'm just so I just friendship. That's how that's what this whole community is about for Springs in the Desert. But just those those connections that just make it you know, easier and that just make it easier to kind of give back and and learn from our own suffering. It's really beautiful. Yes, I agree. Just having that, you know, community support and people being open. I think that's definitely a positive with the military community. I feel like you find them open up very quickly because they're looking to make friends. So that's been a very big positive is um, you do make friends quickly. And even if I haven't ever found 
those who have maybe gone through infertility, I have found that a lot of my friends have been very supportive. So no one's ever just been very cold or anything. Everyone's usually been very supportive and prayerful. So I'm so thankful for that. That's so great. Natalie, do you have any advice maybe for anyone in our audience who's listening? And, you know, a military family or maybe even um, people outside of the military who are suffering, you know, more or less similar uh, challenges due to, to scheduling or being separated for long periods of time, long distance for any reason. Do you have any advice for how you navigate that? Yes. So for those who are apart and TDY, so just a little story here. Um, my husband, so this new base that he has moved to, thankfully he doesn't deploy. So that is definitely a plus. Uh, we have dealt with the difficulties of a deployment when we were in Florida and just how hard, cause you know, then it is six months of not trying, but with his TDYs, um, something we were just going through, was that like this year, 2022, <laughs> you know, you kind of can predict my, my cycle is very predictable. So I know when I'm going to ovulate and literally he would, he was TDYing like every month and it was literally during my ovulation in January, February and March. And it was so frustrating and it was so hard because he had just done a surgery to help his sperm count because we do have infertility on both sides. So I'm pretty much taken care of, but his side is just low count, very low count. And he had just done the surgery and the first, like um, they said the first six months, you know, it's like kind of prime time to try. And so it was really hard to miss those first three months, but then, you know, we were able to try, obviously we have not yet um, uh, been able to get pregnant. So we're, th there's, some more to that that we're looking into, but that was really hard. So advice on what to do during those times. I, you know, I feel like the first part is just accepting and knowing like, okay, Lord, like this just happens to be during the time of ovulation. My husband and I would almost have just a sense of humor about it because you have to find times where you could just laugh with your husband about these type of things. But we would just accept it like, okay, Lord, like this is just kind of what it is. How can we make, and, and, and this is a good one for deployment or TDY, but just having somewhat of a plan, if that's your personality, if that makes you feel better, I know we love a plan. So having a plan and asking the Lord, Lord, like what is your purpose in this? Um, what do you want us to do? Like, how are you calling us to be fruitful while my husband's uh, deployed while my, my husband's TDY, um, you know, usually you do have a little bit more time. So Lord, like, are you calling me to serve? Um, are you calling me to receive? Are you calling us to just be healthy, like focus, get a, um, for the woman side? I think it's a lot more emotional because the men are usually really focused on the mission. And I don't, I feel like they handle things a little differently than us. And so, for the woman to just have a plan, I think it comforts me at least um, to know like, okay, he's going to be gone six months. He's going to be gone a month. During that month, I am going to focus on eating better. During that month, I'm going to focus on exercising because I know it takes, you know, three months for a good egg, even for him for a good sperm. So it's like, 
Lord, let me allow this time to just get healthy. So there's purpose in the waiting. And it's not like, oh, now it's just a miserable time. I don't feel that the Lord wants this to be miserable. I don't feel that the Lord wants this to be like wasted. It should be very uh, intentional time. And I mean, this is something I've learned um, after being a spouse for, you know, (laughs) eight years. I'm like, okay, the Lord doesn't want me to be miserable while my husband's TDY. I've really got to change my mindset around it and really focus on the positive so that my body does stay healthy and um, that we could just, I don't know, I just, it's something I always had struggle. That's just the biggest struggle is when he's TDY. So the best thing for me has just really been changing my mindset around it and then just having a plan. Yes, no, that's great advice. And I really, I really like how you're bringing out that point that serving sometimes comes back to taking care of ourselves, you know, and making sure that we are healthy, you know, spiritually and emotionally and physically, because that's all part of it. And that is part of being life giving too, is that we have to take care of ourselves because if we're not taking care of ourselves, I mean, that really has negative, such negative effects for, for ourselves, but also for our spouses and our families and everyone, everyone who's around us. So Kim, what advice do you have for people who are going uh, through similar challenges with separations, et cetera? So I, I loved what Natalie said, and I think it's important that I share what I experienced when I was in the military, um, just to provide a, you know, different journey and, and hopefully this, some people can relate uh, to my experience with primary infertility. Um, so from the time Mark and I were married in 2015 until around the middle of 2019, I did not have a menstrual cycle. So my once I actually got connected to a doctor and was, well, I actually finally had the time, like you all were just talking about, to seek medical intervention, uh, just to seek wellness. Um, my levels were like that of a prepubescent girl and I've come so far. Thanks be to God. Um, so what I would say, and again, I, (laughs) I certainly was prone to frustration, outright anger, um, shame, guilt, you name it. I experienced it. Uh, But what I can say now, and I love what Natalie said, is about like that mindset. And when I, and I think it typically was when Mark was underway on the submarine and he was always gone. (laughs) Um, Even when the submarine was in port, he was always gone. Um, When I focused on how I can serve and be fruitful in where I am at. And my outlet was, I loved being a part of a team that did street evangelization at the Oceanside Pier in Oceanside, California. And, and again, I mean, this is a probably different conversation, but I will just say it's not what many people think of. Uh, It was very non-confrontational. We'd pray for people, hand out rosaries. And so that for me was a great outlet. So I think uh, both finding your church community, which I found mostly outside of the military installations, as well as like secular interests, like go out there. And if you're, if you love cycling, um, 
really it is a time to to just ask the Lord like and ask him to reveal to you how you can serve, which like you said, that could just be in a spirit of receptivity. Like, what can I receive from you, God? I, I really wish I would have had that perspective more. I think that's so important. Is this, I see this with myself too, because my husband has kind of, we're, you know, in a transition to, he's got a job that's more demanding than what he was doing before. And obviously nowhere near as demanding as being like away for months on a submarine or in the air force or whatever, I can't compare it. But there is this kind of turning like to be mentally, you know, on a team with your spouse instead of thinking that your spouse is going to be like your end all be all because there's like no one else around. And instead just turning like to face God together and being like, okay, like let me kind of take some responsibility. And I'm not saying that neither of you took her. I'm like kind of talking to myself right now, you know, and find ways, you know, to be fruitful. I love Kim that you're just talking about your experience with street evangelization and that like, yes, there in the context of all of our lives, there's so many ways for us to be life giving and fruitful and that God will show us those opportunities because that is what he wants for us. And that's part of our vocation is as wives and as Catholics and as married people is to help bring that life into the world, even if it's not um, exactly the way we imagined it. And even if it does have to take place within kind of a, a restricted schedule, like you might find in the military or in the midst of, of other challenges. But thank you both so much. Is there any any other thing you'd like to add before we wrap it up? Yes, I would say something that we have noticed, and this was, you know, my first base here as a military wife <laughs> with infertility, because that's when we got into it. But I was not expecting the process on Phil's side to be so long. So, you know, I'm not going to get into all the insurance, but when you're on military insurance and your military property in a way, you know, your, your active duty, like um, one of the challenges is you have to go through your primary doctor on base for everything, like to get referrals. So he has low counts and then his doctor can't just send him to a urologist. Like he, we had to do two sperm analysis, which, you know, with the Catholic faith, he couldn't just go to the office and get it done. We have to do it as a couple. So it took a while to find out what is the most ethical way to do that. And once we learned that, you know, you take it one month and then, you know, we had to like book a hotel near the place because that's be given to the lab within 30 minutes. And so it was just lengthy. It was really hard. And then once those both came out, he's like, okay, now we'll schedule you with a urologist. But from the start to the other, it was a few months. So I would just say, just be patient if, um, you know, if anyone does have that primary TRICARE, because it does take a very long time. And I have a friend who reached out to me who she's on primary and she's like, what do I do you know, are, are there any fertility docs on base? Um, you know, there are no NAPRO docs on base. They don't have a fertility team. So what you're going to be seeing is just a primary doc. So just, um, and I'm very passionate about this, just being a, a, a part-time toxin-free advocate and big into the NAPRO and finding the root cause is that you definitely want to be your own advocate 
please, please be your own advocate. Please, 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 um, you know, stand firm in your faith uh, because your faith will be tested. You know, I know for us, so many times we were given like IVF is your only route. IVF is your only route. And it wasn't until we did see a NAPRO. And for me, it was easier because I don't see the insurance on base. Um, I am outside of that. So it was much easier to navigate. So Phil's side is just taking a little longer. So anyways, I just wanted to mention just that part to be patient. Um, if anyone is uh, have that military insurance, because it can take a while, but it is so worth it. Um, I'm so thankful that we now have answers to fill and um, just so thankful that now he has what he needs, that his sperm count's finally going up. And so we definitely have answered prayers. We're so thankful the military does pay. We do have good insurance. It just takes a while to navigate all those little details and to find the right doctor and to just help them get in line and to support you. So, but I would just say stand firm because it is, it is so worth it. Such great advice, both for people in the military and against our culture in general. <laughs> stand firm in that faith, people. How about you, Kim? Any closing thoughts? I, I loved what Natalie said, a very practical sound advice about navigating uh, the medical side, which I do agree is, is very very taxing at times. Uh, but from, you know, I, I'd say as far as spiritual accompaniment, because I think there's always the temptation to uh, isolate. There is something called Catholic Women of the Chapel, Seawalk uh, for short, that's the acronym. And it's far more common on Army and Air Force installations, but these are service-wide. And I would just invite women and couples to be vulnerable and to allow other people to, to mother, father them and accompany them. Beautiful. Thank that's Catholic women of the chapel. So we'll make sure to put that in our show notes. Um, thank you both so much for being here. This has been a great conversation and listeners. We hope this has been encouraging to you too. Thank you so much for tuning in and for being with us. And we look forward to seeing you next time on the Springs in the Desert podcast. God bless. Thank you so much for joining us for this Springs in the Desert podcast episode. If you have a minute, please rate and review us so that we can reach more listeners. Check out our social media pages on Facebook and Instagram and go to our website, springsinthedesert.org, where you can sign up for our newsletter and hear about more things that we have going on. Most importantly, remember that God loves you so much and so do we. 